0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I want to talk for a little bit around these tools that I said came out of my early practice, these tools around how to Um, essentially how to remember to be present, how to remember to be mindful in our daily lives, that's really the hardest thing. In fact, the word, Pali word for mindfulness, sati, uh, is um, based in the word which means to remember. And remembering to be mindful is really the hardest part. And so... You know, when we're doing sitting meditation, it's hard enough doing sitting meditation. You know, I think you're all familiar with that. You sit down to meditate and, um, you know, you have this intention to stay present for your breathing or to uh, just be present for your experience as it's unfolding. And within moments, we're lost in thought. I mean, just as you describe in the walk, you know, within moments, we're lost in thought. This is the way our minds work. Um, and so in our sitting practice, we have some tools that help us remember. And one of those is the sitting posture itself. You know, we're sitting there in a posture with our eyes closed. And when we wake up into a story that we're telling ourselves in the sitting posture, it's, it can be kind of obvious to us that that is completely made up in the mind. Because here we are, we're sitting with our eyes closed and we're off having a conversation with somebody in our minds. It's like, right, oh, okay, waking up into that. It's like, oh, I'm sitting here with my eyes closed. I'm not actually having that conversation with somebody. And so it becomes kind of obvious to us that this difference that I was pointing to in the walking. This difference between being lost in thought and being present for what's actually happening. And so the sitting meditation has the posture. It sometimes has a particular object that we pay attention to, like the breath, that give us a kind of feedback or help us to recognize, oh, not paying attention to the breathing. Ah, lost track of the present moment. So the sitting posture and the formal walking of, you know, paying attention to lifting, moving, placing, these formal practices of um, orienting our attention to experience give us some support for helping us to notice when we're present, when mindfulness is here, when we're connected to experience, and when we've lost mindfulness. And this distinction between when we are present Knowing when we are awake, knowing that we are here in this moment, and noticing the difference between that and being lost in thought is one of the keys, both for mindfulness practice in our sitting and for mindfulness practice in daily life. That moment of of knowing, oh, here I am, here I am. In the sitting, that moment happens a lot. We get familiar with it. We are lost in thought. Mindfulness returns, we wake up, and there we are. We're back again, knowing that we're thinking, knowing that we're sitting here. Often the first thought, at least in our early practice, the first thought is, oh, I'm not paying attention to the breathing. Let me come back and pay attention to the breathing. So we have these tools in our sitting practice to help us learn to distinguish between what it's like to be present, what it's like to be here for experience, And often in sitting meditation we're starting with something simple like being present for the breathing. And in daily life, all of these supports go away. We don't have a particular posture that we're in for daily life. We are wandering through our day. We're dealing with people. We're taking care of our activities. We're driving. We're doing all kinds of different things. So there's no one particular posture that we have to remind us that we're practicing, you know, essentially sitting. I think they call it practice, you know, because it's practice, right? It's, it gives us some support, some tools for noticing what it means to be present. And so we lose these. We lose these in daily life. We don't have a particular posture to come back to. And we also don't um, necessarily have a particular experience to come back to. That, um, you know, with the breathing, if we're in sitting meditation and using the breath as an anchor for our attention, staying connected, oh, breathing. Okay, I, I know what it's like to be awake, present, knowing that I'm breathing while I'm breathing. We don't have that in daily life. In daily life, pretty much, you know, the whole range of experience is happening to us. And so we don't have a kind of Anchor so much to say this experience is going to be my touchstone. I'm going to, like, um, recognize that I've lost mindfulness when I've lost touch with that experience. Because experience is tumbling so fast in daily life, there's nothing that we can particularly, you know, say that's going to be it. That's going to be my my touchstone. But what we can start to do is to begin to get familiar with what it feels like when mindfulness comes back. You can start to get familiar with that experience itself. It's helpful to start to notice this during this week when you do sitting meditation. It's helpful to start to highlight that moment for yourself. What does it feel like that moment right after you've been lost in thought and your mindfulness returns? Often our relationship to that moment is one of conflict when we're in sitting meditation. I wasn't supposed to have been lost in thought. I was supposed to have been paying attention to my breath. And so we kind of lose what it means in that moment to actually wake up again. You know, we we lose a little bit of that possibility of noticing what the difference is between being lost and being awake. And so... During this week, during your sitting practices, this is something I will suggest for you, is to see if you can get interested in that moment itself. The moment when mindfulness returns. What is it like when you've been lost in thought and suddenly the mind has come back into awareness? What is that like? What is that experience? During our daily lives, I'm going to suggest a couple of things that will Hopefully, serve as little touchstones throughout your day to help you remember to be present. The first one, um, and this is this was one of the first things I did in my in my um, my mindfulness practice. As I said, I didn't want to do sitting meditation, but I was interested in being able to watch my mind, and so. I started just trying to say, okay, can I notice when I wake up? But I picked a particular project. I got this idea from a book. I thought it was uh, from Everyday Zen by Joko Beck, but I can't find it in there, so I don't know now where I got this idea. But it's not original to me, I have to to say that. (laughs) Picking a project, picking something for daily life, some activity that you do to try to... Allow yourself to connect mindfulness with that activity. So when I started this, I decided I wanted to pick something that happened a lot, something that happened regularly through my day. Um, And this ends up being really helpful, to pick some activity that you're doing that happens, say, three or four times an hour. It might be something like, um, you know, during your workday. Something like um, um, touching or picking up your cell phone. Or it might be um, if you're working on a computer, you know, opening a window or closing a window. I did the equivalent of that when I started. That was my first mindfulness project, um, switching between DOS and Windows on my computer. Just knowing when I did that activity. And that happened at that point. It happened like three or four times an hour. So just pick something that happens regularly through your day. It might be going through doorways. It might be reaching for something. Reaching actually tend is, it ends up being a really challenging one. Because we reach all day long. So you're, you're going to be reaching more than, like that, that was a reach. <laughs> you're going to be reaching more than three or four times an hour. You're going to be probably reaching, oh, you know, I, I mean, three, yeah, probably more like a hundred <laughs> times an hour you would be reaching. But you might start by, you know, picking things like reaching for um, objects, you know, when you're going to pick up something or put something down. That might be a good one to do, you know. So I've done a lot of this reaching, but I haven't yet really picked something up or put it down. You know, this would be that. Or um, I said going through doorways. I think sitting up, sitting, standing up, or sitting down um, might be something that you do regularly through your day. Um, from what what I've heard with various people talking about. St- Uh, standing up and sitting down. Standing up seems to be harder to remember to do than sitting down. Because often when you're standing up, you're heading somewhere. And that plan of where you're going overrides a lot the ability to remember to be present. For that moment, but at the same time it can be it can be a, an interesting exploration about how again how we get lost, what the things are that cloud our minds and so pick something like right now while i 'm talking, think about something you might want to choose as a um, we'll call this a a task a mindfulness task to help you to uh, orient to remembering mindfulness in your daily life. And so the activity around this task, or the project around this task, is basically it gives you something for you to recognize how much you've been mindful during the day. How much you've remembered mindfulness during the day. So um, with something that happens two or three times an hour, when you first start trying to work with this, it's likely you're not going to remember very much. Um, in fact, you might, it might be, a, you know, a half a day before you remember. And the very first time you remember, you're, one of the thoughts that's going to probably happen is, wow, I'm remembering standing up right now, but I know I've stood up at least five or six times in the last two hours, and I didn't notice one of them. So this kind of... Noticing is likely to happen for you a lot this week. And this, uh, so I want to point it out right now, especially that first time, the very first time you notice that you've not remembered, and actually your very first time of noticing that you've not remembered may happen completely unconnected with the activity You know, you might have picked um, sitting down and, you know, you're making your bed at night to get into bed and you remember, wow, I didn't remember once all day. There you are, right in that moment, you have remembered that you have not been mindful. That's very like the moment in sitting when you remember, oh, I haven't been mindful of my breath for the last three minutes. In that moment when you remember that you've forgotten, that moment, that's a key moment. Because right there, that is a moment of mindfulness arising. Mindfulness has come to you in that moment. And you've recognized, oh, I haven't remembered. So in that moment when you recognize that you've forgotten for the last day, rather than beating yourself up for the fact that you haven't remembered the standing up practice, celebrate the fact that you're here now. Be present for that moment. And especially the very first time you remember, you know, that is actually when the whole thing begins. The whole possibility of waking up begins with that first moment of recognizing, I forgot. And so there's no need to beat yourself up for that moment. In fact, that's when the practice starts. It's not an indication that you can't do this or that you're a failure. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of how this whole thing works that we remember we've forgotten. And so you notice. You've forgotten. So in that moment, I have two things for you to, to highlight. The first is ha, mindfulness has come in this moment. I'm aware now. Let me notice. Just in this moment, and I'm going to probably talk about this a lot this week, just notice what's obvious in that moment. You're, you're aware. It's like, are you tight, tense, confused, sad, happy, tired? Uh, is your body achy or comfortable? Just, just whatever is obvious. Just notice that in that moment what's obvious. And then remind yourself... I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying to be aware when I do that activity. So this, this um, kind of intentional activity, first to recognize mindfulness has returned. That's a key piece of our waking up in daily life to notice those moments when mindfulness arises. So that moment. And then this kind of intentional connection. Oh, didn't remember all day long i'm going to keep trying in that moment just reconnect with your intention to keep trying that also ends up being a really important part of this practice to recommit to recommit the very first time i met mindfulness i didn't know about this recommitting i would notice that i had remi- hadn't hadn't remembered to be mindful at some point in the day I'd notice I hadn't remembered to be mindful and I'd say oh I'm going to try again to, you know just uh, just well I guess I'll try again you know but, but if there wasn't that commitment to keep going it was it was you know just I remembered like once a day oh yeah I forgot and after three or four days of that I just thought well obviously I can't do this and I gave up and so that was my downfall when I first met mindfulness, which actually happened about 15 years before I met mindfulness the second time. And, uh, you know, in some ways I lost 15 years of possibility of waking up because I gave up. And so that moment when you remember, that moment when you remember, just recommit, I'm just going to keep trying. And it doesn't have to be a kind of, I'm going to keep trying. It's more, yep, didn't happen. I'm going to keep trying. Very matter of fact. But committing to that, commit to that, I'm going to keep trying. What I've seen with this um, kind of task that happens regularly through the day, um, what seems to happen, there's different ways it unfolds for different people. Some people in the first day really are on it. And it's like a lot. They're, they're noticing it a lot. And then in the second day, the third day, it kind of falls off and you have to pick up this this activity of, oh, I forgot, recommit. I forgot, recommit. But in any case, we'll all probably come to that place where we're forgetting, whether it's at the very beginning of the week, where we're forgetting a lot, forgetting more than we remember. And what I've seen happen is that um, the remembering, if you just recommit, if you just recommit every time you've forgotten, yep, I'm just going to keep trying. Something about that commitment to, okay, okay, yep, I forgot all this, the standing ups. I'm just going to, I'll try again. I'll try again tomorrow. Um, if you um, keep recommitting like that, it seems to create a little bit of a, orientation of the mind to remember and at least what I found when I first did this was that the first time I remembered, I was making my bed at night and it was like I didn't remember once Okay, I'll try again, the next day I think I remembered two or three times that I had not remembered to be mindful while switching between DOS and Windows that was two or three times more than I would have been mindful had I not had this orientation. And it, it had a snowball effect. Each time I remembered that I'd forgotten, the next, the next day, it was like there were a few more moments of remembering that I'd forgotten. And I remember one time... I don't know how long this took. I mean I was doing this on my own. I didn't have a structure to support to support this remembering. Probably three or four days into this practice. I remembered I woke up right after I had done that activity. Right after I had switched between DOS and Windows. I was like, oh, I just did it. I just I, I didn't notice it then, but it just happened. And that moment was like a little bit of a a, a bit of juice. It's like, oh, wow, it's getting closer. You know, it's like I had started to see that there were more moments of remembering through the day. And then now it was starting to get closer to the actual event. And then not too long after that, I started noticing the event itself. Now, again, you know, it's not so much the importance of the actual activity. But when you have those moments, especially if it's something that happens three or four times during an hour, you will begin, when, you start, when it starts to get to the place where the, uh, you're mindful of the activity, it's interesting that that activity itself starts to serve as a kind of a mindfulness reminder. You're lost, you're doing something, you do that activity, and because you've attuned the mindfulness to that activity, it wakes you up when you do it. And so this really begins to um, give us this kind of touchstone of just moments of mindfulness through the day. And I want to reemphasize recognizing that moment of Oh, I'm awake now. This is what it's like to be mindful. This is the difference. Noticing in that moment when you wake up the difference between what it's like to be mindful now and what it was like a moment before. Because as you start to recognize what it feels like to be mindful, what it feels like for mindfulness to spontaneously come back like that, that experience of mindfulness coming back also begins to be something that we're attuned to. That moment of mindfulness coming into being actually happens way more than you think. It happens, it's just like barely below we're just barely above the surface level of our conscious awareness that, that, that mindfulness returns, and immediately we start doing something with what we've been aware, become aware of. So you know we're, we're walking down the street and you know we see, we see a kind of a, a gap in the sidewalk, and there's a moment of recognizing, "Oh, gap in the sidewalk, need to be careful of that." And so there has been a little time bit of the mind recognizing what's happening in the present moment. But immediately we start to think about what it means to us. And I'm not saying you shouldn't start thinking. I'm not saying you shouldn't recognize, oh, there's a gap I need to take care of how I step across that gap. But what we don't do is recognize in that moment that there's been a split second of mindfulness. And as we start to get familiar with what it's like for mindfulness to arise in that moment, in the moments around the project, around the task, we can start to um, notice those little tiny moments of mindfulness that happen during our day. And so the, um, the task serves as a kind of a training to help us to get familiar with what it feels like to wake up in the midst of activity in our lives. So we get familiar with what it feels like to wake up in the midst of activity. And then because we're familiar with it, we start to notice that it's happening more and more. And this really starts to pull a thread of mindfulness through our day. So that's the first, the first project. The first thing is notice something Pick something that has, happens regularly through your day. I would encourage this to be something you initiate. And we'll talk about why that is later in the week. You know, it—you know reaching for something or standing up or sitting down. But some activity that you're initiating as opposed to something you're responding to. If you'd like to, for instance, program your iPhone to... Uh, send out a mindfulness reminder three or four times an hour. That's fine. Please do that. You know, you can, you, can, you can do that. You can use that tool. But pick something else, too, that you are consciously initiating, as opposed to always depending on something external to remind you. Something about the um, mindfulness arising in association with an intention that you are taking is very supportive for this practice, it's supportive for the remembering. If you're always relying on something external, it's not strengthening that muscle of the intention to stay present, the intention to wake up. So picking something that happens regularly through the day that is something you initiate. And for this first one, for this task, it can be something that's like really fast. You know, like switching between DOS and Windows on the computer. Just something that comes and goes like that is okay for that, for that task. Something that happens regularly three or four times an hour. Just something, something that it's easy to miss. So that's the first one. The sec i I'll take questions in just a sec. The second one that I'd like to um, suggest is something that gives you an opportunity a couple of times a day to, oh, there's one more piece about that one, about the, the task, about the one that comes and goes really fast. Um, one of the biggest uh, issues with practicing mindfulness in daily life is that people feel like they don't have time to be mindful. It's another burden that's added to their day It feels like you're picking up this weight and trying to carry around mindfulness with you and trying to do it all day long. And what I want to encourage here is what I'll call a light touch to this mindfulness practice. When you've noticed that you've forgotten, you have that moment of remembering, do those two things I mentioned. Notice you're mindful now, just what's obvious now, recommit, and then just get on with your day. Don't try necessarily. You might just notice whether there's a kind of a little bit of a tendency to be mindful for the next, you know, 15 seconds. It might linger, maybe five, maybe as long as a minute, who knows. But mostly, I want to encourage you to recognize those moments when mindfulness returns and then not try to hold on to it. Because that's where people tend to give up, and feel like, I can't do this. Because we do have other things that we're doing. We, we have other, you know, things we need to think about, things we need to plan, tasks we need to do. And if we're trying to do all those things and be mindful at the same time, um, often people give up the mindfulness. Because it's not easy. It's not easy. This is, this is probably the hardest mindfulness practice, to actually bring it into our daily lives. And so, don't try to hold on to it. Just in that moment, you remember you've forgotten what's obvious, recommit, and then just get on with your day. Notice the next time it happens. Oh, there it is. That's what it's like. Recommit and get on with your day. So that it feels light. I mean, in fact, it's really light, because that moment of remembering, you didn't even do that. It just happened. I mean, you couldn't choose for mindfulness to return. You just wake up making your bed remembering I've forgotten. Or you just wake up clicking send for the email and noticing, ah, I'm awake now. And so that moment of remembering is an effortless moment. It's an effortless moment of mindfulness. We don't have to do it. It doesn't weigh anything. It's not heavy. It's just there. And so noticing those light moments of mindfulness as much as you can through the day as they, as they appear. And then let go of trying to make mindfulness happen in the rest of your day, with this exception. So I'd like also to suggest you pick some task, chore probably, that takes anywhere from 2 to 10 minutes. You can pick the length. Could be brushing your teeth, Might be washing dishes, loading the dishwasher. Might be um, um, doing um, your whole morning routine of um, getting out of bed and into your clothes. I mean, just pick something that you do. You're making your bed. Pick something that you do once or twice a day. And for the duration of that activity see if you can encourage yourself to try to stay connected to that duration of activity. You know, not for a long time here. We're talking two to two to ten minutes, depending on what you've chosen. P- things people have chosen in the past, you know, making coffee, or, you know, preparing a meal, or, you know, things like that. Um, so this is a place where you explore what does it mean to try to um, sustain a presence of mind in the midst of an ongoing activity. And so for that brief time twice a day actually encourage the remembering. So there's, you know, there's this, the kind of mindfulness that arises spontaneously, those moments of mindfulness just coming up. We could call those moments of unprompted mindfulness. We didn't do them, they just happened. When um, that kind of mindfulness arises, we have the possibility of consciously remembering, oh, mindfulness has come back. Let me try to be mindful now, too. And now, too. And now, too. So that it's just a little bit of like, you know, gently encouraging moment to moment moment. Oh, keep remembering, keep remembering, keep remembering. Explore what it means to uh, take on um, being present for an actual activity of your life, an activity of your day. Okay, any questions, any? Is the goal of this to be mindful for eventually for everything so that <clears throat> while you 're doing anything uh, your mind is not wandering is Is that the ultimate purpose for these exercises Well, I would say that the um, the ultimate purpose would be freedom um, the intermediate uh, possibility is that it is possible to be mindful in whatever we're doing it's possible to be mindful while we're talking it's possible to be mindful while we're thinking it's possible to be mindful while we're eating while we're driving and so it is it is the the uh, movement that this um, practice takes to be uh encouraging mindfulness in the midst of our day in this gentle way. You know, not trying to pick it up and say, okay, I'm going to be mindful all day today. likely going to fail with that. But just in very light ways to try to remember. That creates a kind of momentum of the habit of remembering, which tends to uh, ripple out beyond these moments and so, you know, you may, you may find that, you know, if you're doing doorways, for instance, this is one that uh, um, people have commented about, that as they go through one doorway, they realize, oh, actually, I'm getting ready to go through a bunch of doorways. Maybe I can, you know, be, be, be mindful as I, you know, go through all of those doorways. So it begins to create this thread of mindful awareness in all of our activities, which, in turn, I mean, the, the point isn't mindfulness per se, but what mindfulness lets us see and recognize about our minds as we um, as we start to become mindful in our. Daily life, much as when we are mindful in our sitting practice, we start to see where our minds get stuck and caught by these traps that we cycle in and eddy in and and, um, and can't get out of. So we we start to see the ways that our mind gets caught, and the the mindfulness gives us something to land back in where we can begin to pull ourselves out to extricate ourselves from those. Habits and patterns of mind, you know the, so much of our struggles our our um, suffering in our life comes from ways in which our minds uh, get caught habitually get caught, and we um, we are kind of at the mercy of those habits without mindfulness now the, those habits are so deeply conditioned, those habits are so habitually patterned um, that we're in the middle of them without ever seeing the beginning of them. And so what mindfulness starts to do is to help us... You now, sometimes I say that what mindfulness does is it helps to lower the horizon of the subconscious... That the, the more we are mindful, the more we can see where these habits are coming from. The more we can see a thought leading to a judgment, leading to an anger. So we can see the process begin. And rather than it being launched into without our awareness of where it's even come from, we start to be able to see how it's created and in that moment of being mindful there, of seeing it, there's some measure of choice. Mindfulness in the present moment gives us some choice about not following our conditioned habits. And sometimes, I have to say, and sometimes mindfulness in the moment of seeing a very deeply conditioned habit arise... What we get to watch is how we cannot stop ourselves from being in that habit. And that, too, serves a purpose. It's not a failure. It's not not like you're doing something wrong because being mindful of something doesn't give you the choice to say, oh, I'm not going to do that right now. You know, you you feel a surge of the arising of frustration. And, you know, you're aware of that. And yet... It's like what's going on is that that habit of that surge of frustration has so much practice behind it, has so much conditioning behind it, that it's got a lot more um, momentum than the momentum of the mindfulness that we're just beginning to cultivate. And yet there is some measure of mindfulness that can see this frustration unfolding. So in that time if you see that you're watching a pattern unfold and uh, not able to choose otherwise, that actually serves a purpose too. It serves a purpose because as we're present, as we are aware of these reactive patterns of mind, these habitual patterns of mind, as we're aware of those with mindfulness... we get a very clear understanding of how that state of mind, that frustration, that reactivity, that confusion, that anger, that greed, whatever it is, how that state of mind is um, inherently in and of itself not a helpful state of mind. We, We feel the out of kilteredness of it, the out of whackness of it, so that itself is an important thing because without mindfulness, we are just buying into our habits yeah if i 'm frustrated with something and you know pound on it long enough it 'll go the way I want it to we 're buying into that, and you know we 're basically reconditioning that pattern of frustration we 're reconditioning it and and um Not aware that we are suffering here and now because we have bought into the idea that if I somehow act on this frustration, if I follow through on this frustration, then I'll get what I want on the other side and that's where happiness will be, is in the future when that frustration is no longer happening. When I've gotten that thing that I wanted or I fixed that problem, that's when happiness will happen. And what we're missing is that we are foregoing, we're forsaking, we are renouncing happiness in this moment by buying into that frustration. And so the awareness, the mindfulness of those states really gives the mind an education that these habits, these patterns of mind are not conducive to well-being. That they're not, they're not the way we want to go if we really want to find peace in our in our hearts, and our minds. So, in that moment of waking up, if you find you can't just let go of it, notice what's obvious about being in that place. Might not feel very good. That's okay. That's okay. It's not a failure. It's actually what part of how the practice um, moves towards the letting go. As the mind, as the mindfulness starts to understand these states are not conducive to well-being and it starts to see the difference between a mind that is caught by one of those states and a mind that is not caught by one of those states. Huge difference. And there's a real sense of the possibility of a different kind of well-being that comes when we really connect with that um, place of being mindful without reactivity. So, you know, I think this was a great question because it does kind of orient kind of the, the purpose of daily life practice. You know, it is to understand our minds, to understand how they get caught, why they get caught, to begin to recognize that the ways they're caught are not actually helpful and to to begin to see another way another way to engage so I think you know many of you know this kind of um, thing from your sitting practice but carrying it into daily life can be a challenge because we do believe our states find in our daily life You know, we we find ourselves buying into our frustration. We find ourselves buying into our agitation, thinking "This, this agitation, this means I need to do something. Or, maybe better put, we have to do something. And the agitation around having to do something makes us believe that the only way we're going to do it is if we feel agitation around it. This, was an in, this is an interesting thing to see that actually these habits, a lot of these habits of mind, we think we need them in order to further our lives, in order to live, in order to get things done. We think we need to be frustrated in order to get things done. If you look at what your mind is doing, you'll see this. And yet, it's, it's not necessary. It's possible to act without having agitation about doing it's possible. It's possible to act without being frustrated. It's possible to um, act from more wholesome motivations: compassion, kindness, love. So thank you for that question. It prompted a longer talk than I expected. <laughs> Other questions? Yeah. Oh yeah, and use the mic.
1: I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about um, your thought on um, picking something internal that happens three or four times a day versus like setting the insight timer.
0: Uh huh. So um, why why pick something that we are uh, intending to do rather than setting the insight timer? Um, if we're relying on something outside of us to help prompt our mindfulness to come back um, we're not strengthening so much the capacity to um, notice when mindfulness arises spontaneously of its own accord because something else is reminding us to be mindful So it's, um, in that, in that, um, hmm. I don't know how much I want to go into this. Um, So when we, when we explore, Trying to associate mindfulness with an activity that we're doing, um, we also can start to we can also start to see the moments okay here, here's it gets a little it gets a little more um, subtle at this point. I mentioned that at some point the, the activity itself will start to become a mindfulness bell that when we're doing that thing it wakes us up Well, what also seems to happen there is that um, not only does the activity become a mindfulness bell but all the intentions that come together to make us do that thing we also start to be aware of those And so we actually, through this exploration of an activity happening regularly through our day, start to know before the activity happens that it's going to happen. So we start to be able to see ah, I'm getting ready to click send for that email, I'm getting ready to stand up. So we know it before it's happened. And in that moment of knowing it's going to happen before it's happened, it's happened, we have the opportunity to see why we're going to do something. And so this is pointing to seeing intention. Seeing intention arise in our mind to take an action. And as we start to see intention before an action, that's a place where freedom can really come in. Because when we see that we're going to speak before we speak, we probably will know what we're going to say, maybe something about why we're going to say it, and possibly have a choice. Do I say this or not? So this is, again, it's training wheels. It's, uh, it's practice to help you begin to notice These moment of, I'm getting ready to take some action. Waking up to, about to do something. If you're setting a timer, you're you're not getting that possibility of watching how the mind intends to do something before it does something. We can actually see a moment of choice or a moment of the mind saying, oh, this is what's going to happen next before the action follows. It's a pretty subtle moment. But in this exploration around um, picking an activity, you may, some, some of you may, towards you know the middle of the week, start to see this moment of intention. And that, that moment is a pretty powerful moment to begin to recognize and understand because it does give us this choice before we act does that does that make sense yeah. it's a it's a kind of a subtle point but um, it is. I mean, it's... use the mic yeah.
1: sorry i keep forgetting to use the mic it's okay um i hear what you're saying about the subtle point and if i'm thinking about it it seems like there's multiple points that we're trying to um, experience. And my mind, for some reason, maybe I'm habituated to think about reminders to actually get to the action. There was this one point that you further examined that I think I was missing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the um, if we're always using external things to help us be present. There's, there are things that we'll miss in our own experience that are important to start to see and to open to. And so that's essentially why. I mean, as I said, you're welcome to set those timers. You're, you're welcome to do that. That probably will support you during the week also. But also pick something else. Also pick some kind of, a, um, of an activity that you are initiating which will help you to possibly see some of this deeper um, movements of mind as the week goes on and see the value of it as it goes on.
1: Thank yeah.
0: you. You're welcome. So um, let's take a short break. Let's make it a 10-minute break because um, we we're... Yeah, let's uh, make a short break. So one thing I want to say before the break... Um, There are a few people here today um, who are participating in um, a program, a Dharma Mentor Training Program. And this is a program of training to help um, uh, support people to become mentors, Dharma friends, supports, guides along the way in in your practice. And so uh, Tanya... And Diana are both in the Starmament Mentoring Training Program, and they have both done this retreat in the past. And so, if there's a time, it could be now in this break or during the week, that you feel that um, you're not comfortable asking a question either of me for some reason or um, in the room through the mic, you're welcome to check in with Diana or Tanya. And then there are also two more people who um, have done this retreat before and are um, experienced students in the Sangha, and that's Richard and Cheryl. Cheryl, I think, in this room at least, has done this retreat more than anybody else. She's got the most experience probably with this particular retreat. (laughs) And so they also um, are available... um, for you uh, to ask questions of. This is for the whole week. I'm hoping you know the one or two of them at least will be available. You know during the sessions, um, during uh, during the week. Um, if not, you're always also welcome to come ask me questions. I'm I'm definitely available for that. But there's there's multiple people you can go to with uh, with questions. So uh, eight minute break now. Sorry about that. <laughs> Just enough time. For a P and a T...